This is your mission. Should you choose to accept it. Nathan, I'm talking to you. That's right. So good. Well, I did think of rolling down the hallway and I'll just injure myself or do something <laughs> stupid. Again, yeah, exactly, again. Strike a light. Oh, here is your mission if you choose to accept it. This is uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to continue our ologies by talking about missio- missiology. Missiology, the study of mission. And to use another famous movie quote... Yes, we are on a mission from God, a mission from God to speak the truth in love. This morning, we come to the third last of our ologies, missiology. We've only got the study of the church to go, ecclesiology next week and eschatology, the last things on December the 19th. But today we're going to talk about how we are on a mission from God. Let me pray and then we'll jump straight into what mission is all about. Heavenly Father, be with us this morning as we look at your word. We thank you that you've spoken to us. Help us to see what your mission is in this world so that we might see what our mission is in this world. And we pray that we might not only understand it, but take it up as, uh, as the mission that you have called us to. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got to start by asking, what is mission? Seems easy to answer, doesn't it? But biblically, what is it? See, there's not many Christians out there that would be against mission. But then again, we're not quite sure what it is. What is mission? What is it? See, there's all sorts of things we could say that mission might be. It might be my own personal mission or calling or the thing that I enjoy to do in my life or my vocation. It might be the mission statement of an organisation or a church or a personal or a family unit. It might be the mission trips that you think to go on or the missionaries that we've prayed for this morning and support. Or it might be the idea that mission is impossible. Why would I bother? Indeed, the idea of mission is a highly contested area of theology today. Why is it so contested? Well, because it's not a biblical word. See, mission by itself is not a biblical word, but that shouldn't scare us. Neither is the word Trinity. But we spoke about that earlier in our series. It is still a word that describes a concept that we find in the Bible. And actually, when we start to look at it, we find the concept everywhere. The concept of mission is everywhere throughout the Bible. Because the concept of mission, almost everybody agrees, uh, comes down to two things. One, being sent, and two, being sent for a task. That's what a mission is, being sent and being sent for a task. And so to that end, there are endless numbers of missions that people are on in the world for whatever reason. There could be a simple one today. I'm on a mission. I've been sent by a family member to go down to Westfield at Wollongong and do the Christmas shopping. There is your mission being sent and for a task and but what about God's mission not just the everyday mission of doing your work or doing your job or looking after the family but what is God's mission 
Because it stands to reason that if God has saved us, as we saw last week, that we should be on about God's mission in the world. But first of all, we need to find what God's mission is. What is God's mission? And who does he send to achieve his mission? So this morning, I want to divide up what we're talking about under three headings. First, the mission of God, and then the mission of Jesus, and then the mission of Jesus' people. So let's begin by looking at the mission of God. The mission of God is to achieve his own glory. Achieve his own glory. I don't know if you're a user of the music subscription service Spotify, but this week they put out their Christmas Unwrapped, which was a a highlight reel of all the music you would personally have listened to this year. What did you listen to in 2021? Well, I took a look at mine. It turns out it's just the same as everybody else's, except for the music in it. But the video itself told me, that I am the star of my own movie in 2021, with my most listened to song being the soundtrack for the credits for that movie. Interesting, isn't it? Spotify, used by millions of users across the world, are telling people that they are the star in their own movie. But biblically, there is another story, another movie going on. And it's not about us, but about God. It's not about us and our glory, but God and his glory. And God is the one whom this story is all about. We are bit part players in his story, not the main character in our own story. Now, we could look at endless number of passages to make this point for us. But look at just a couple on your screen, starting with Isaiah 48. For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed, God says. I will not yield my glory to another. Of course, it goes on. Habakkuk 2 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And as far as it's up to us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 10 says, do it all for the glory of God. And at the very end, we're told that the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. We saw last week, didn't we, that God in his character is always glorious. And yet he creates us and gives us salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ so that in his actions he may show forth his glorious nature. As he brings about the impossible task of saving human beings, God elevates his glory and shows it off. God's mission is to bring about his glory. And his glory is brought about as salvation is given to people. An impossible group of people who fall by themselves would end up in judgment and hell. But with God, he brings about salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. At this level, the big story of the whole Bible is a story of mission. God's mission to bring about salvation to the world that might reveal his glory to 
the world. Indeed, the only place that there is no mission necessary is at the very beginning of the Bible and the very end of the Bible when people are in perfect relationship with God. The rest of the Bible is a story of God's mission. God's mission to save through the Lord Jesus. God's mission to save that might bring him ultimate honour and glory. We see it at the very, in the very third chapter of the Bible, as soon as sin comes into the world. Look at what we see in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Even as the first act of sin is committed against God, God has a plan to restore relationship with the people of this world by removing evil from it. We see this continue in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. We've looked at this uh, not all that long ago as a church family. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says to Abram, I'm going to build a people out of you through whom blessing will come to the whole world. This is God's plan. This is God's mission. He started it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when the head of the serpent would be crushed by the offspring of the woman. He bears it out further in Genesis 12 when he says that this blessing would go to the whole world. He reaffirms the promises in Genesis 15 and many other passages afterwards. Later on, we find out in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13, that this person coming will be a king. Look at the verse you see on your screen. 2 Samuel 7.13 He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And of course, just a few weeks ago, as Matt Leach brought to us uh, the middle chapters in the book of Isaiah, the servant songs, we found that God would send his servant into the world to be crushed. With the result, as Isaiah 66 says, that Nathan read for us earlier, And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the peoples of all nations and languages, and they will come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and I will send some of those uh, who survived to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and the Lydians, famous as archers, to Tubal and Greece, and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations." You see how all of these loose ends are coming together here. God promised that his blessing would come to the nations. In Isaiah 66, we see that the blessing of God would come to the nations through the suffering crushed servant. And the result? The result would be that people would see God's glory. See, the Bible is a mission-shaped document. It's a mission-shaped book. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way through to the last book of the Bible, mission, the mission of God is clear. The goal of God is clear. That he would save humanity through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he would call us to belong to him so that we might know and see his glory. 
See, in the first place, we must remove from our minds the idea that in the very first place, the Bible is a handbook to life or a roadmap to life, that we look into it for wisdom to make our life here and now better. Yes, it might do that in different ways by giving us wisdom, but first of all, the Bible is a rescue-shaped book. It is a mission-shaped book. It is a book shaped by the mission of God in this world. And the story of the Old Testament is the story of how many people had come. Many people had been sent by God and yet no one was the right one to bring about the mission properly. Indeed, as we saw last week in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, the plan could only be enacted in Christ. Look at what it says here. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And as Ephesians 3 goes on to say, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mission of God is to bring glory to his own name by saving people. Which brings us to the mission of Jesus. Because Jesus, as we've just seen in Ephesians, is the one who brings about the mission of God. He is the one who was sent for the task of dying and rising again. Indeed, if you read the Gospels, Jesus speaks over and over again about his purpose for coming into the world. Again, I've just chosen a small thumbnail sketch of some of these passages, but look at what Jesus says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus says again, I've brought you, he says to the Father, glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Here's an interesting one. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Now, Jesus did lots of things, didn't he? Lots of things, as we'll talk about in just a moment. But here we see that Jesus' desire was to come and to preach. We'll talk more about that in a moment. As we come closer to Christmas, you might be reminded of this passage in Luke chapter 2 of the old man Simeon, who had been waiting for the, uh, the kingdom of God to come. Look at what he says and think of the words we've already seen this morning in the scriptures. Sovereign Lord, Simeon says, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. See, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to be rejected. He came to suffer. He came to die on a cross. He came to restore humanity into relationship with God so that sin might be defeated and evil crushed and death would ultimately die. This is Jesus' mission in the world. And this is clear in the Scriptures, particularly in the Gospels, as Jesus speaks himself of his own mission. But here's the thing. Because this is Jesus' mission... There are a range of other things that Jesus did not come to do. 
See, Jesus was a man of great compassion, wasn't he? We see this in various different ways. As he heals people, feeds people, looks after people, weeps on behalf of the the humanity of the world as he sees the effect of sin in the death of his friend Lazarus. And yet, interestingly, Jesus did not come to fix the world in the same way that we might think today. Jesus did heal people, but he left lots of people unhealed. Jesus spoke against the corrupt powers of the day and age in which he lived, and yet he did not enter politics to change the game. Jesus knew there was poverty in the world. He knew there was homelessness in the world. He knew there was food inequality in the world. And yet, though he did a little bit of those things, he didn't give himself to that mission. Instead, he gave himself to the mission of being rejected, suffering and dying to restore humanity to God. Indeed, even the miracles that Jesus did were more than simply caring for people, although they were that. Most of the miracles that we find in the Bible, in the Gospels, are a demonstration of who Jesus is. They're a demonstration that he is the Son of God, that he is the light of the world, so that when he does die and rise again, his death and resurrection might be legitimate because he really is the Messiah, God with us. See, the mission of Jesus was to bring about the salvation we saw last week in order to glorify God. He would achieve salvation and secondarily demonstrate who he was in the world. And it's important we get it in this order because otherwise we will mix up what Jesus' mission was in the world. His mission was to be rejected, suffer and die, not necessarily just to do these good things in the world. Now you might say, well, what about this passage in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 4? Jesus speaks of his own reason for coming as he, as he uh, in the temple, reads out this passage and then goes and sits down. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favour. This is a passage uh, that, uh, that for many Uh, speak about Jesus doing these good things in the world. And of course, he did restore sight to the blind. He did uh, proclaim proclaim freedom. But he did not uh, set prisoners free in that same way. Indeed, he healed blind people. But he also pointed out the spiritual blindness in a great many people. Likewise, in the Gospel of Luke, we find that the poor that are most likely spoken about in the, uh, in the book of Luke are those who are poor in spirit. Yes, Jesus came to do lovely, kind, compassionate, wonderful things, but this was not his mission. This is how he would demonstrate his mission along the way. Jesus' mission, however, was to achieve salvation for the spiritual blind, to achieve salvation for the spiritually poor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour as salvation has come into the world. Jesus' mission was to achieve this salvation and along the way demonstrate who he is. But of course, 
Jesus ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead. He is no longer here to bring about his mission into the world. So what now? Well, that brings us to our own mission. Jesus is not physically here with us. Although he is with us by his spirit, how does he conduct his mission now? Well, he conducts his mission now through his body. His body called the church. Do you remember this verse from John chapter 20, verse 21, said to the first disciples, the apostles? Uh, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, given me a mission, I am sending you into the same mission. And this extends to us. For as Matthew 28 says, uh, uh, the apostles are to teach or the, the, the generations to come all that has been commanded to them by Jesus. See, we can't continue Jesus' mission by atoning for sins. We can't continue Jesus' mission by being Jesus in the world. We are not Jesus. And yet, like Jesus, we are called on to carry his mission on in the world in the same way. To speak the message of salvation into the world. And... Secondarily, to demonstrate who we are. Another way of saying this is, we've been sent into the world by Jesus to speak the truth in love. And so like Jesus, our own mission is not necessarily to care for the poor and to seek justice and to care for the widows and to do good, but we are still to do these things. These things are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They are a demonstration of who we are, but they're not to be confused with our mission. Just look at these passages in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2 and chapter 3. Peter says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. How does that happen? 1 Peter 3 says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It is important, indeed essential, that all Christians demonstrate the same goodness of Christ in the world. The same compassion the same care, the same sort of emotion over the sinfulness of the world. But it is important that as Christians, we do not recognise this as the mission that we have been sent on by God. The mission we have been sent on by God is to speak the words of salvation to the people around us. That is the mission. And as we go on that mission, we do so caring, compassionately, loving other people. Look at these passages uh, speaking of uh, Jesus' last words to his followers of what they should do. As it said in uh, Isaiah 66 that Nathan read earlier, the gospel, Jesus said, must be preached first preached to all nations. Which is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Remember Isaiah 66? There would be nations that the gospel would go to and then to the ends of the earth for God's glory. That's what Acts 1, 8 continues to say. 
Luke 24 says this, He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, there's that bit again, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then finally, the famous Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. The mission of the Christian today is the mission of proclaiming the gospel message, adorning that message with our compassionate, caring deeds that we carry out. Behind me, just now, is a Christmas tree. I didn't put it up. Caitlin, Ven, Nikki Mann put it up last Sunday. They did a great job. Uh, but imagine for a moment that not putting up the, uh, they didn't put up the tree, but they just got out the decorations. They had a deconstructed tree. It was just the decorations, the adornments, lying on the floor at the bottom, and no tree to put them on. There'd be lots of adornments and no centre of the story. This is what it can be like for us as followers of the Lord Jesus. There can be lots of adorning the gospel by doing caring and compassionate things, but no tree of proclamation, no tree of speaking the gospel message. But our mission is the same mission as Jesus, not to bring atoning sacrifices to the world, only Jesus can do that, not by being Jesus in the world, no, only Jesus can do that, but by pointing to, through our words, what Jesus has already done. I just need to say this one last time. I am not saying today that the Christian person should not give a rip about the poor, justice, the widows, or doing good, or anything like that. But demonstrating the gospel is not the same as being on mission. The mission that God has sent us on is to proclaim the gospel and along the way we take our demonstration with us. Another way of saying this is how we've set it together as a church family for a decade now. We've said we, are, we want to be a great commission church, making disciples of all nations. But as we go, we want to take a great commandment mindset to love God and love our neighbour. That is who we want to be, a church on mission, because this is what God has called us to do. And notice the language. God has called us to do it. The body. We are the body of Christ, and God continues to do the work of Christ through us because we are his body. We'll talk more about that next week. To speak the truth in love is to act as his body. And so by definition, this means that we are not all the same in the members of our body. Together as a body, we have been given this mission. And so not all of us will be exactly the same in the mission. Not all of us will be great orators. Not all of us will be great speakers. But many of us can pave the way so that others in the body can speak this message of truth to the world. Nonetheless, we are a mobilised people whose mission from God is to make disciples for the glory of God. 
And so as we finish up today, we've seen the mission of God from Genesis to Revelation is to bring people to know him for his glory. And that he sent Jesus to enact this plan in the world through his death and resurrection, which Jesus did, but also demonstrated who he was on the way. And we continue his mission in the world as we proclaim the message about Jesus and along the way adorn that gospel with compassion and care. And so as we finish, just a couple of uh, things for us to reflect on. First of all, be reminded today that you, Take up your place in history. A history which is defined by God's mission, not our own. Secondly, take up your place in God's mission this day. God's mission of bringing glory to his own name. Teach your kids on it. Live it yourself as you seek to work together with the body of Christ to glorify God for, uh, by bringing salvation to the world. Thirdly, don't confuse the adornment of demonstration of uh, compassion and care with the mission of God. That would be to, uh, to confuse categories. The mission of God is to proclaim the gospel. Uh, fourthly, remember that the mission of God is to proclaim the gospel precisely because it is this mission that changes people. Remember we saw last week as the, the words were across here about salvation that the way God makes the change in people's lives is through the effectual call of the gospel being preached into people's lives. We are able together to be that people on mission from God. And then finally, mission today starts and ends with God's people. The goal of the mission is that God might add to his people. And the mission is continued by the people of God. In other words, the mission goes out from a church family in order to create and grow God's church family. But more of that next week. In the meantime, will you be on about God's glory by helping to make disciples of Jesus as a great commission person with a great commandment mindset as you head into this week for God's glory? Well, you might like to ask a question about any of that sort of stuff. I'm going to give you some time to reflect on what that means for you and uh, also ask some questions at slido.com with the hashtag HBSP and I'll come back and answer some in just a moment.
All right, a couple of questions. Thank you for asking them. Uh, the first is this one. I don't feel comfortable proclaiming the gospel, but I'm good at helping people, the adornment. Can I still be involved in mission? Uh, the answer, of, of course, to that is yes. The language that I used throughout the talk was important. It's the body of Christ that continues the work of Jesus' mission in the world. Uh, that's an important distinction to make. So we together, as the body of Christ, continue God's uh, Jesus' work in the world. Uh, and so if you can be a supporter to the mission in such a way uh, that, uh, that that makes it easier for other people to proclaim the gospel in the church family, then that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. However, of course, if everybody's doing the adorning and nobody's doing the, the talking, then that's a problem as well, isn't it? And so um, that's part of the story as well. But we are involved in the mission. So it's uh, less about me being involved in the mission and it's about we being involved in the mission. And so, um, yes, we can together do that. Some of us are very good at doing the adorning things. That's great. Some of us are very good doing the talking things. That's great too. Uh, but we need to make sure that we, uh, we are doing together, that we are proclaiming the gospel into the world uh, for the reason of our second question. How do we measure success in mission? Uh, we measure success in mission by proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Remember, we saw last week all of the different words, election, regeneration, conversion, justification, sanctification, perseverance and glorification. All of these things are part of our salvation and they all come from God. They don't come from us. So success in mission is not seen by um, how many converts there might be because God converts people. But God can't convert people. This is the way God operates. He's only limiting himself. God can't convert people without the gospel being proclaimed. That's the effectual call of the gospel. And so you can measure success in whether or not God's people are proclaiming the word. If they're proclaiming the word and, and there's no particular result coming about at the time, that's God's work. Uh, but if there's no proclamation of the gospel, then God's people are not being faithful to the mission that God has sent them on. So the nature of success is not about the results afterwards, but whether or not the proclamation is taking place. Our next question, is there a biblical difference between our mission and the role of a missionary in a church like our mission partners? Why do we draw a distinction? No, there's no difference. They're exactly the same. So our mission, our mission, uh, our own personal mission and the missionaries uh, in the world, exactly the same purpose, to proclaim Christ in the world uh, and uh, the reason we just we draw a distinction is because we have have sent from our own body some people to go and do that task that's how it operates it's a bit different for us because we sort of get an external mission partner then call them as our own and then send them out which is a little foreign which is why for me I want to make sure that we're a sending church um, so I want to make sure that some of your kids go to Africa Asia whatever to be missionaries that might not be your plan but that's my plan uh, that, but that's what we've got to be, right? We've got to be a sending church. Um, that, that's, by definition, that's what it is because we don't just care for our own patch, but we care for the, the whole world. So our mission partners are those we've taken on and then we send back out again uh, for uh, the cause of doing the same thing that we do, uh, which is proclaiming the gospel. That's why I'm always worried about mission partners that have never got connections to local churches because it's got to come, the mission has to be grounded in a body, um, that's what we've been talking about this morning. It's got to be grounded in a body. If it's not grounded in a body, um, then that's not the, the mission of the gospel going out into, into the world. Um, final question is from Ron. What of, the things, uh, what of the things we do is the most productive of our mission activities? 
uh, and where are the gaps we could be doing? Yeah, this, that's a great question, Ron. Um, what the, one of the best ways that we've found at the moment, and this has just been um, historically, one of the best ways to contact our local community with the message of the gospel is through children today. That's the way things work, through children and young people, and that's been our focus for many years, and that has been a relatively helpful focus. And we've found that as we've run those missions, we've contacted lots of people, had lots of conversations about Jesus as a result, been able to take the next step with people as a result. People are members of our church now because of those programs that we've run in, in the past. Um, so I think that's, a, that's an obvious one, and it's an obvious one as to why for the last two years our mission has been difficult. Uh, because that particularly big thing has not been in uh, our sphere. Um, what are the gaps? Well, there's gaps everywhere, isn't there? There's gaps, uh, uh, depends what side of the equation you're on. I'm not an optimist, so I see gaps everywhere. There's gaps in every single place I can think of, uh, in, in all sorts of subcultures and people groups and, and nationalities, even in our own town, various other things that we could uh, be proclaiming the gospel better to. Um, basically, uh, we, uh, we need to convince ourselves that this is the mission that God has sent us on, and then together to come up with those ideas to head out and, and proclaim the gospel in ways that we, we can. It doesn't always need to come from necessarily the top, although that's a good thing, but we can all do that in, in day-to-day life, and it can be a, a measure of success of the gospel as well. Uh, thanks for the questions. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mission that you've sent us on. We thank you that you've sent us together on that mission and that's why we need each other and appreciate each other together as we'll talk more about next week. But we thank you for drawing us together that we might be sent out as your people into this world with the role of proclaiming the gospel and adorning that gospel as the Lord Jesus 